Awesome. Awesome. So yeah, welcome. Enjoy. Hope you um, get a lot out of Dave's awesome message. We're continuing on the Heartbeat series. So remember, you only receive as much as you respond. So let's give Dave heaps of encouragement and response as he comes up to preach this morning. Thanks, Nat. How are you going, church? Good. Excellent. Thanks, team. So as, uh, as Nat said, we're in, a, in the middle of a series. We're actually in the middle of a series. Uh, the middle letter in heart is A, and we're up to A. So we've already covered H and E. Uh, <laughs> just, just winding you up. H, H is for honor. So we've been talking about how we honor uh, God. We honor one another. Uh, we, e is for excel, and we talk about how um, we're called to live a life that excels, that, that is excellent. It's not that we're perfect, but that, uh, that we, we give God our best, and He blesses that, and, uh, and He uses that in, in, our, in our world. So we've been talking about that. And today, A. A stands for advance. It would turn to your neighbor and say, advance. We are called as a church to advance. In fact, the church is called to advance. And the thing that over the ages, unfortunately, kind of happens is that the church advances for a while and then it kind of stops and it gets a bit stuck and it becomes an institution. And then it kind of reforms itself or reinvents itself or revolutionizes itself and then it advances again for a season and then it kind of gets bogged down. And it gets stuck. Because, see, the church was never designed to be an institution. The church is always designed to be a movement. It's a move of God that keeps moving. And, and if, we, if we're not careful, we get stuck as a church. And you, maybe you've been to places that kind of get stuck. They get stuck in their style of music. They get stuck in their, their way of reaching out to their community. They get stuck in just their physical environs. They, church, you know, because we, by nature, I don't know, there's a... There's something that we just, we like to get comfortable. Who likes to get comfortable? I like to get comfortable. You see me on a weeknight, maybe Tuesday night when I don't have anything on. I'm just in front of the fire with a book. I like to get comfortable. I love being comfortable. Unfortunately, though, the call of God in our lives is not all about our comfort. I'm sorry to say it's not about, you're in the wrong place if you came to church because you wanted to be comfortable. We're not that kind of church because you can, you can probably find them. I'm not going to, I, I get on well with all my pastors. And I don't think anyone, their, their heart is to be comfortable. But, but there is a sense that we, if we're not careful, we slip back into comfort. But you see, the church of God is called to advance. It's called to move forward. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 11. Verse 12, and from the time of John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it. Uh, some versions say violent people are taking hold of it. So, but there's this, there's this idea that it's moving forward forcefully. There's a push. And there's got to be a push because there's an enemy. Satan doesn't want the church of God to move forward. He doesn't actually want it to exist. He'll let it exist as long as it doesn't move forward. 
if it's moving forward, if it's taking ground, if it's seeing people come to know Christ, he doesn't like that. And he'll do everything he can to stop that. And so that's where a lethargic kind of sitting back, being comfortable kind of church is actually quite good for the devil. He's happy with that. And you'll kind of leave it alone. But when, and, and I find every time we, we push forward and every time we, 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 we try and advance, there's pushback. Oh, what are you, who do you think you are? What are you trying to do? You know, there, there's difficulties that, that, that will arise. You know, going into, I just remember coming into this building. Um, we started having issues with, 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 with neighbors saying it was too loud. I don't know how they could hear it. Like, seriously, if you go stand on the street, you can't hear anything. And, and oh, it was the parking. And there was pushback. Every time the church moves forward, there's, there's going to be pushback. Because the kingdom of heaven is, is forcefully advancing. But I know that that's the best place to be, is to be moving forward in God. It's actually the safest place to be. For you. It, it, it's the most rewarding place to be. It's a place where you will find purpose and wholeness and, and everything you need when you're in the, the center of what God is doing, when you're moving forward with Him. That doesn't mean it will all be easy, but it is the best for your life. Two people agree with me. It is the best for your life. Yes, it is. I know, I know. It's, it's hard. You're like, oh, no. Oh, my goodness. What's he asking me to do? We've got to forcefully advance. What does that mean? But there is, a, there is a very real sense, though, that, you know, like a general in an army, he's calling his army to advance, to take new territory. That's what we are called to do. I was very excited. The other week, we topped 100 people for the first time in a service. That's really cool. I was excited about that. And I celebrate that. But I don't want to stay there. Because there's 30,000 people in a city that don't know Christ. And if we're just going to sit here and go, yeah, we've got 100 people, then we're missing the bigger picture. God has called us to reach out into our city, to go beyond ourselves. And we're only going to do that when we advance His kingdom. Now you go, well, what does that look like? I mean, what, well, the, it kind of works on two fronts. There's, there's the church, all of us advancing, and then there's us personally advancing. And they go hand in hand. If you're advancing in your own walk with God, then, then the church will be, if we all are doing that, then the church will be advancing. And hopefully, likewise, if the church is moving forward, you personally are also moving forward. But what does that look like? I mean, the Great Commission is one way it advances. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all people. When we're making disciples, that means the church is going forward. But actually, it's wider than that. It's, it's called the kingdom of God. And and it's, I'm not going to try and define it for you because, you see, Jesus never defined it. Jesus always said, the kingdom of God is like a pearl of great value. The kingdom of God is like a master who leaves his property to it. Like the kingdom of God is like, it's always like something because Jesus would never define it. So who am I to try and define it? If Jesus never actually said, it's like a mustard seed. It's like these things. And so I'm not going to try and define it for you, but, but the kingdom of God does look like some things. Well, firstly, the kingdom of God has Jesus as its king. If Jesus is lifted up, if he's enthroned, then, then the kingdom of God is advancing. I think we can safely say that Jesus is the king of the kingdom. The second thing I'd say about the kingdom of God is that it's a kingdom of love. God is love. 
His kingdom is loving. And if what we are doing is, is done in love, then, then the kingdom is advancing. When, it, when it's done out of our own pride or our own agendas, then, then possibly that's not happening. But when it's done in love, the kingdom of God is advancing. The other thing I'd say about the kingdom of God is that we're never going to see the fullness of it into eternity. But one day, the kingdom will be established in its completeness. And we are, we are called to, to bring about that day, to kind of hurry on and further that day by what we do. So I don't actually, I don't actually want to focus too much on, on us collectively. I want to hone in on, on us individually. How do we advance? How do we advance so that the kingdom of God advances? How do we personally advance? And I think to advance, we need to, to kind of have a goal in mind. Would you agree? You've got to know what you're advancing towards. And the goal essentially is to be like Christ. Ephesians 4, we put it up on the screen there. I'll read it to you. In verse 11, it says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown away about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. To be more and more like Christ. That's our aim. That's our goal. That's how we advance. Is when we become more and more like Jesus. Can you imagine if we were all many Jesuses running around in the world? I don't mean the robes and the you know, Middle Eastern get up. I mean the, our hearts. We'll be reaching out. We'll be healing people. We'll be seeing people come to know the love of God. We'll be, we'll be working outward. The kingdom of God would explode. And that's actually the, the design. That's what God is calling us to become more and more like Christ. So how do we do that? Well, I want to I draw on and this is kind of our key scripture for this morning. as a passage from Philippians written by the Apostle Paul. And when he wrote this, he was in prison. And he was writing, we're not sure exactly, maybe in Rome, possibly Ephesus, but he was definitely in prison. And he was writing to the church in Philippi. And this is what he says in Philippians 3, 12 to 14. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. It's an awesome passage. And my first point from that, if we're to, if we're to advance, is to realize that we ain't there yet. You ain't there yet. You haven't arrived yet. We need to start from a place of humility. 
See, the great apostle Paul, who wrote half the New Testament, who, you know, you would think when you're thinking about mature Christians, most of you go, yeah, Paul, he was a mature Christian. Yeah, he was kind of up there. There's, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And then there's apostle Paul. He's, he's pretty high up. He says, not that I've already obtained all this. And what is all this? Well, it's actually entering into the fullness of the sufferings of Jesus. Uh, if you read the verses beforehand. He hasn't, he hasn't arrived there. He says, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. So if the Apostle Paul, and this is written near the end of his life, is saying, no, I haven't got there. I'm still far from where I need to be in my, in my relationship with Christ and becoming like him. Then who are we to think that we've got it all together? Because there's a, there's a beautiful contradiction in the, the Christian walk, and that is that the more you, you, you get along in your journey, the more you realize your need for God. The, the further on you get, the more broken you realize you are, the more you realize how far you are from attaining. And that's why I think Paul, who is, you know, a super Christian, he's realized, man, I've just got so far to go. I'm just so far away. There's a beautiful contradiction in it. The further away that you think you are, probably the closer you are. Flip that around, the closer you think you are, quite possibly the further away you actually are. Because that's a real danger when you've been in the church for a while. It's to think, oh, I've sorted this thing out. I know this Christian thing. I go to church. I read my Bible. I've got it all together. I've got it sorted. That's a dangerous place to be. You see it in, in actually the politics of the, of the uh, of evangelical right in, in America. There's kind of this, there's almost like an arrogance and a, you know, we, we know best. I don't see that in the Gospels. I see a humility. I see a, wow, I, I need God more and more. The further on I get, the more I need Him. If you think you've got it all together, just get married. <laughs> your, your, your wife, your husband will pretty quickly point out to you the fact that actually you haven't got it all sorted out. And if you still think you've got it sorted, have kids. Because then you'll realize how lacking you are in self-control, in patience, in just basic love sometimes. <laughs> How many you know that's true? All the parents are laughing. Because you thought when you were single, you were doing pretty well in your Christian walk. And then you had to live with someone, and you found all their annoying habits. And then you had children, and you had to deal with them too. We ain't there yet. And we need to realize that in God. Because age does not equate with maturity. Have you learned that in life? <laughs> I've learned that. Just because just you're getting old doesn't mean you're getting wise. It just means you're getting old. Because uh, you, you how many you know you can actually get more stuck, more rigid, more set in your ways the older you get? How many know? If you've got grandparents, you know this. If you are a grandparent, possibly you know this. I don't know, but I, 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 I see it. I see, I see it in my nana. My nana is 95. God bless her, but she is stuck in her ways. Man, meat and three veg, she would never be anything else. You know, but there's a risk 
as Christians, that as we get older, rather than getting softer hearts and, and, and moving forward, we actually get rigid and we get stuck. We get inflexible, not just physically, that happens too, but we get, we get inflexible in our faith. We think, no, this is what I believe. I can't, you know, I'm not changing. You don't tell me to change. Who's this young whippersnapper trying to tell me to change? Age, age is inevitable. Maturity is always a choice. Maturity is always a choice. Maturity is not how much you've been around. It's how much you've grown. It's not about how much you've been around. Because you've been around a long time, but not have grown much at all. I remember uh, when I was pastoring, I was leading a, a worship team in Dunedin. And we had this, this older couple who were kind of, you know, they would, they would help on camps. They would, uh, you know, be camp cooks. And, and, and uh, their, one of their children was in our, in our team. And they were really encouraging. And I thought, man, these guys are really mature in their faith. And then something, something happened in the life of the team that, that the, the father didn't like. And the way they handled it, I was like, whoa, you're just throwing your toys like a little baby. Like, you, it was just, it really was not mature at all. And, it made, and that was the first time I really came home to me. Wow, age does not mean maturity. In fact, and I think the church can be stunted a bit when we, when we assume that that's the case. This is what, what the, past, uh, the Apostle Paul says when he's writing to the church in Corinth. And this is, this is full on, get this, 1 Corinthians 3. 1 to 3 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in the Christian life. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world. Wow, this is a whole church that Paul's talking to, not, not just a couple of individuals. He's writing to the whole church, and he's saying, church, you need to grow up. He's saying, you have a problem. You are, you are stuck. You're not moving forward. You're not maturing. You're stuck where you are. And it's, it's actually pretty basic stuff as well. It's stuff you'd expect, you know, when you're young to, 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 to struggle with. Like jealousy and, and insecurity and, and quarreling. It's stuff that you, you think about growing up. It's stuff you deal with with your brothers and sisters. Yeah? You know, you, 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 you're jealous because your, your brother got the bigger ice cream. Or, you know, oh, you're, you're insecure because they're really good at a sport and you're not so good at that. And you think, oh, you know what? We've grown out of that as adults. But sometimes we haven't. Sometimes we've just hidden it better. But we haven't actually grown out of it. Sometimes in our work, you know, someone gets a promotion ahead of you, and they've been in the company less time than you. You're like, hey, what? and we react out of our insecurity and our jealousy. Or maybe in your family, maybe your sibling is really doing well and, 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 and sees they have everything together, and there's this, this, this bitterness in you. Oh, well, they were always the favored one. They always, parents always favored them. I don't know what it is. But those things can happen in adults, in adults as well. 
Paul, was, later on, he's writing straight after this. He says, you know, you're getting all hung up about Paul and Apollos and, and who brought the message and who watered it. And it doesn't matter. Just see past that. Grow in maturity. Realize that it's just small stuff. You know, something in church life that is often of contention is worship style. It's something that, you know, people get quite um, hit up about. And the thing is, it's fine to have your preference. You know, some people like Hillsong. Some people like Bethel. Some people like Planet Shakers. Some people like Passion. I don't know. There's, that's fine. You're allowed to like whatever you like. But don't let your personal preference get in the way of you worshiping in the space. Because Jesus, when he talks about worship, he says true worship is worship in spirit and in truth. It doesn't say anything about style or preference. It doesn't say true worship is worship in Hillsong and Bethel. No, it doesn't. It says in spirit and in truth. You can worship in any style. And we're quite purpose in the style of music that we use. I'm up front about that. And it's for this reason that, that I want to reach the next generation. And I see my kids loving praise and worship. And I think, man, I'm going to lay down my personal preference. Because some of the songs, are, are, you know, I don't really dig. But I'm going to lay down my preference for the next generation. Because that's a sign of maturity, church. To so go, it's not actually about me. A mature Christian will say, you know, it's not about me. It's about empowering those, those coming up. I can put aside my personal preference for the betterment of the kingdom. If I see young people entering in and praising God, then I'm like, well, that's good enough for me. Because the kingdom of God is advancing in that. And also, what it also does is it kind of kills something on the inside of me. When I dump around and dance because... You know, I, I, I'm, I'm leading them in that, but I'm also saying, you know, flesh of my pride, die. <laughs> pew, pew, it's gone. <laughs> it's a healthy thing to do. You see, too often Christians get stuck in tradition. Mark Twain said this, I love it. He said, tradition is not wearing your grandfather's hat. It's buying a new one like he did. Tradition, did you get that? Tradition is not wearing your grandfather's hat. It's buying a new one like he did. You see, it's often we go, oh, I loved it back then. Or, or back there, if you come from somewhere else. Or, you know, when I was there, that was, that, that was good. And I don't want to go back to that. Well, you, 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 know, you can go back to your grandfather's hat. But, you know, when your grandfather bought that hat, it was new. It was fresh. It was the latest thing. He bought it because he thought he looked pretty sharp with his hat on. And you harking back to it is actually not traditional. It's actually what he did was he bought a new hat. God is doing a new thing. I don't want to be on the edge of that. I don't want to always be harking back to, to what he did back in those days. God did some cool things in my life back when I was a teenager. But I don't want to camp there and stay there. See, the mission of the church Hasn't changed for millennia, actually, but the style definitely has. And that's fine. It's supposed to change rapidly. So that's why we're on the book face and we're on the, you know, the, the Instagram and we're doing, using modern music and we're, we're, you know, 
trying to be technically savvy and do that kind of thing. We're getting a coffee machine. Come on. Uh, soon. Because we want to be reaching the next generation. And also, I just love coffee. Uh, I'll be honest. But you see, we don't ever want to get stuck. And too often, down, down the way, the church has got stuck. But one of our heartbeats as a church is to advance. It's to keep pressing forward. And I know there's going to come a time, in fact, it's already kind of happening, is that I'm going like, is this music? This is weird. <laughs> like I've been at Shout Conference and I'm going, I can't, this is a hard song to get into, but I see the youth and they're loving it. So I will die to myself and I'll just enter in. You know, Proverbs 14, 14 says an interesting thing. Uh, it says, backsliders get what they deserve. Good people receive their reward. The, the New King James Version says this, the backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways. Now, we often think, you know, in Christian terms, backslider is someone who slides, who was a Christian and they slide back into the world. But actually, the Hebrew backslider here simply means someone who's, who turns back. Or, and, and because they turn back, they refuse to go forward. In other words, they normally have a good justification, but often it's biblical, why they are turning back and refusing to change. But they just keep turning back to that way. And it says, there's a promise in that. It says, they will be filled with their own ways. They'll eat the fruit of what they turn back to. And sadly, that's not God's best for them. Because we're not actually here to be full of our own ways. We're here to be filled with God's ways. And if you just keep turning back, you're just going to keep getting filled with your own ways. God is doing a new thing. He wants us to be full of His ways. And His ways are, are higher than ours. They are often harder. They are greater. You know, His, His, His wisdom is higher than our wisdom. James Verse 3 says, but the, in chapter 17, But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Someone who's always trying to get their own point across and make their own way in life and, and is argumentative and trying to get their point, they miss the true wisdom that comes from heaven that is peace-loving and considerate and submissive. That doesn't mean you always just toe the line and agree. You're allowed to disagree with stuff. But the heart that you come at it with has to be wise, like James says. Peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial and sincere. That's the wisdom from above. The wisdom that just wants their own way. Well, that's not wisdom at all. That's just contentiousness. That's pride rising up in us. So to advance, to move forward, we need to realize that we ain't there yet. And we're not careful we will get stuck because we'll think we made it. I don't want everyone to sit back and go, oh, yeah, we've filled this venue, we've made it. I've done my job. My job here is done. Take me to heaven, God. No. We're always going to be advancing. This, the second thing that I would say from this passage in, uh, in Philippians, that Paul says, and we could put, put it back up there, he says, forgetting what is behind. For, I forget what is behind. See, Paul had a past. It's just the next slide there. Um, 
Ruby should be there. Uh, there we go. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. See, Paul had a, a past, and it was a pretty colorful one. He, he oppressed the church. He, 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 he threw Christians in prison. He had them, them whipped and flogged. He was nasty to the church. And so he had a past. And I think partly that's what he's talking about. He always wants to forget all the rubbish stuff he did. But also I think he's also trying to forget the other mistakes he's made and even the good stuff he's done. He's so forward focused. He's like, no, I'm forgetting that stuff and I'm pressing on to what God has for me. We need to forget our past stuff ups. We need to forget those who have stuffed up towards us. Those who have hurt us. We can't live in that place. We need to choose to forgive and to forget. And I know it's easy to hear that. Easy to say that, but it's so much harder to do. But Jesus, hanging on the cross after, you know, a horrible week, he says to God, what does he say? Father, forgive them. Wow. He's choosing to forget all the hurt, all the whipping and the nailing to the cross and the ridicule and the torment. He's choosing. He's saying, forgive them. I'm leaving that behind. Paul does that. He says, no, I'm forgetting. Because I bet, I bet Paul rubbed people up the wrong way. I bet Paul had detractors. I bet there were people that, that Paul came into conflict with and he was hurt by. But he said, no, I'm forgetting what is behind. Now you might say, oh, I can't forget. I can't leave that behind. I'm here to say, actually, you can. And if you're to advance, if you move forward, if you're to grow, then you need to. And there's a very simple thought. I saw it was from Pastor Sammy Rodriguez. And he, he said simply this, whatever you feed will grow. Whatever you starve will die. So how do you stop something from growing? Well, you just stop feeding it. Stop feeding your past. Stop feeding your unhealthy relationships. Stop feeding your hurt. Stop feeling your sin. Stop feeling your anxiety. Stop feeding those things which are not healthy in your life. How do you feed them? Well, you feed them by giving them attention. You feed them by dwelling on them, by thinking about them. You feed them by, by just tolerating them in your world. Jesus gives us the power to starve those things. He gives us the power also to feed the good things, the things that give us life. And he gives us the ability to lead that life that, that is growing, that is advancing. We just Sometimes we just need to stop feeding the stuff that is wrong. And, and can I say, unforgiveness, hurt, bitterness, stop feeding it. Every time that thought comes into your mind, you just need to put it aside. Say, I, God, I forgive them. Even if you have to do it a thousand times, you need to do it. And eventually it will get easier. So we need to forget what is behind, like Paul did. If we're to advance, if we're to move forward, we can't be dragging our baggage along with us. It will just slow us down. It will just be an anchor to our advancement. You see people, and, and you, you, you talk to them, you man, you've got baggage from years ago. Sometimes you meet people that you're like, wow, that's like 20 years ago. You're still hanging on to that. 
that's been dragging you back all this time. Your advance has been so much slower because you're holding on to that. We need to keep short accounts, church. Paul says, forgetting what is behind. And number three, straining towards what is ahead. And can I add, in every circumstance. Straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal. There's, there's an exertion there in Paul. There's a, it's, it's hard work. But he's got a vision. He's got a purpose. He's got direction. He's got, call, he's got a call from God. And he's doing it from prison. I, I, I just want to tell you, you can progress from any position. You write that down. You can progress. I can progress from any position. Paul is in prison. He's got every reason to think, oh, well, I'm stuck. Here I am in prison. I can't advance my cause, the cause of Christ any further at the moment, can I? So I'll just sit back and enjoy the rubbish food and wait till I die. But, but no. He wrote the letters to Titus, Timothy, and Philemon, so, so individual letters to individual people. While he's in prison, he also wrote this uh, message to Philip, the church in Philippi, they think, and also to the church in Galatia. He also wrote the church uh, to Timaru. It's called the Book of Timaruvians. He wrote that in prison. I'm bringing it to you this morning, indirectly. Uh, well, that's essentially what these books were. They were just, you know, we think, oh, Philippians. Well, it's just a fancy letter. No, Timaruvians, there you go. He's writing a letter to us. He's writing it from prison. I think too often we think, oh, I can't go any further because of the circumstances. I blame, I, I can't go any further in God because of this, because of this relationship, because of this person. This person hurt me. This thing happened. I can't go any further. You can. You're making excuses. Paul is sitting in prison and he's, how many of you glad that we have these messages of hope. I know these churches are appreciative of them. And, and for millennia, we've had these letters because Paul said, no, you know what? I'm pressing on. Despite my circumstances, the kingdom of God is advancing, and I want to be a part of that. The thing is, for us, the kingdom of God is going to advance, whether we get on board or not. God will just find other people to do it with. I, I don't want to be left behind. I want to be a part of that move. I want to be moving forward in God. What seemed like a major halt in the advancement of the gospel was actually really key for it to grow. This is what Paul writes at the start of Philippians. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance, there's that word, the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. How cool is that? Would we, would we respond to that that way? Would we be like most of the brothers and sisters? If I got put in prison next week for preaching the gospel, would you all be like, oh crap, Dave's been put in prison. I'm not preaching the gospel. I'm not... I'm not sharing about Jesus or or actually does the world know that you're a Christian enough to put you in prison like if you were to stand trial 
for being a Christian where they go, well, actually, there's not enough evidence to put them away. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, oh, how, how, because how well would the world know? Just saying. <laughs> They'd pick on me because I'm a professional Christian. Because <laughs> I get paid a couple of days a week to be a pastor. But the rest of you might get let off. And I, we, I, I want my life to live, be lived in such a way that, yeah, if, if they start rounding up Christians, I'd be rounded up and put in prison for the sake of the gospel. And so what happens here is that in spite of what the external circumstances look like, in spite of the, the resistance, actually the gospel was advancing. And often that's the way. When there's greater resistance, we've got to lean in a bit more. Often that's the, that's the battle we face in the West, is that there's not enough resistance. And, and therefore we just get a bit comfortable, like I talked about at the start. Actually, I don't think it's a bad thing that people are getting up in arms. The atheists are going, oh, you know, we shouldn't have religion in schools. We shouldn't. Because actually, they, they care. There's resistance. And actually, I think that then the church has to go, hey, hang on. We, we have to stand up here. And it's not, it's not necessarily about, you know, um, religious education. I think we need to stand up for the cause of Christ. We need to stand up for Jesus. And actually, a little bit of resistance is sometimes a good thing. So how do we practically, I just want to add my, my uh, letter to, to Moravians in here, very four practical ways that we can advance in our faith. And I've talked about these before, but I think they're, they're so key that I want to go over them again. It's get, in, get connected, get involved, get in the room, and get giving. So number one is get connected because it's in relationship that we grow. Church is a group of people championing one another to go higher in God. That's what Pastor Sam Monk says about church is a group of people championing one another to go higher in God. That's what we do. That's why we push e-groups so much because that's where you rub shoulders with other Christians and you can encourage one another. You can have that support and that love Ben Stein, who's an actor, he says, personal relationships are the fertile soil from which all advancement, all success, all achievement in real life grows. Personal relationships. You can come along on a Sunday and not really know anyone and not really connect with anyone. And for an hour and a half, you can put on a a nice smile and go away. And and actually, you're not going to grow. You need to get into relationship. So get connected. The first one. So you go and get involved. It's easy to, to be on the sidelines and to observe. But how many of you know there's so many uh, sideline critics these days? You just need to read an article about the rugby. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's an expert. But none of them have put on the all-black shirt and are running out there and have got skin in the game. We've got to get skin in the game, church. We've got to get involved. If you want to have an opinion about this church, and you come to me, you have to have skin in the game. Because I'm like, if you come and you say, oh, you know, I think we should fix this up, I'll be like, well, how are you contributing to this? Because, you know, the, Steve, um, Steve Hansen, he doesn't listen to the critics. He, he really doesn't. 
He listens to his other coaching teams, and he probably listens to his players. So if his players come to him and say, hey, you know, let's try this, let's change this up, I think he'll listen. I think it's the same, it's the same in church. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying this because I want you to have the ear of the pastor or anything, but I think we've got to have skin in the game. We've got to, we've got to don the uniform, and we've got to get involved. In the end, the progress is accomplished by the person who does things. We're never going to move forward if we just think about stuff and have good ideas or opinions about how things should happen. No, we've got to actually get involved and do stuff. Jesus is the ultimate example of the servant heart, isn't he? You know, he, he was the man, the God, and yet here he is washing his disciples' feet, serving his disciples. We need to get that heart to serve. And part of getting involved is learning to serve one another. I love that, you know, we have people from a variety of walks of life serving. There's, great, there's a great equalizer and, and, and serving. I love that Lick, who's a GP by day, but by night he's no. Uh, but on Sunday morning, you know, he'll help with the kids or he'll help um, do PowerPoint. He'll, he'll just serve. There's no hierarchy in the kingdom of God. We're just called to serve. So get connected, get involved. And can I say, that's how you grow as well. You really will grow as you serve. Uh, third one is get in the room. I don't know about you, but my vision, my passion leaks unless I keep feeding it. If, if you think about your life as a plant, if you were a plant, if you never got watered, you'd die. I, I think of coming to church and e-group and getting in these spaces as, as getting watered. We come and we ask, Holy Spirit, come water us again. And for too many of us, we go far too long between waterings. And we wonder why we're not thriving. It's because every two or three weeks, we get watered. And we're just this little seedling, and we're just like, wilt. Oh, a bit of a, and then we wilt. And it's really stressful and straining on that that plant. Eventually, that plant's going to give it up. We need, we need to get in spaces where we're getting encouraged and inspired. Otherwise, we'll go dry in our walk. I don't say this just to have good numbers on a Sunday. I say this because I know this will grow us. If we get in that space, we need to get in the room. And fourthly, we need to get giving. If you actually want to advance in the kingdom of God, you've got to put your treasure there. Matthew 6, 21, Jesus' word says, For where your treasure is, that your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, that your heart will be also. So if you put your treasure there in the kingdom of God and advancing it through the church, which I believe is the, you know, you can give to other things by all means. I give to Tear Fun and, and World Vision and, you know, Mary and I sponsor kids. We, we give to other stuff. But I know that the primary way God reaches this world is through the local church. And so our first 10% always goes to the local church. And that is where our heart is. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. You want to advance the kingdom of God, then you you need to put your money where your mouth is. Because one of the biggest impediments for our actual development, and I don't mean just the church, but our development is money. People get tied up by their finances, whether it's not having enough or having too much. Either way, they can get, it can get a hold on their lives. 
But when you give your, your first, your best to God, it releases that. And you learn to put Him first and to trust Him. Can I have the, the band up? So that, I, know, I know I've talked about them before. There are four very easy ways that we can grow. I, I, I really believe money back guarantee. If you, if, you, if you get connected, if you get, so you get in an e-group, you get involved, you know, you get in an e-team. Um, if you get in the room, you just regularly get in the space. And if you get giving, you will grow. You will grow. You will advance. And the kingdom of God will advance in and through you. I finally just want to say that we all need something to follow. Jesus is the one we follow. And there's a world out there that's looking for, for something to follow. And they are. They're wandering around. They don't know that it's Jesus they're looking for. But they're looking for something to follow. And they'll follow what the world tells them they should follow. Whether that's fame and fortune or, or success and wealth or, or, or family and connection. Or, or climbing the ladder in their work. Whatever it is, they'll follow what the world tells them. But you and I, we know there's something far better to follow. And that's Jesus. And we are called to follow Jesus and then say to others, hey, come follow me like, like I'm following him. And that doesn't mean you're perfect. That doesn't mean that you have it all together. You're not the perfect Christian. You're just following Jesus. I just want to encourage you this morning. Don't feel like you have to have it all together to advance the kingdom of God. You just need to be following the person of Jesus and saying, hey, come come follow him like I'm following him because he's made such a difference in my life. He's changed me and I want to I want to see him change you. I know he can. I can't, but he can. Just in this moment, actually, I, I want to give you an opportunity. Just every eye closed, head bowed. If you're here this morning and you're like, oh, I don't have anyone to follow. I've been following what the world's told me to follow. I've been following people or I've been following my own path and, and actually it hasn't got me very far. There is fullness of love and fullness of life for you if you would follow Jesus. And just in this moment, with every eye closed and head out, I want to give you an opportunity to begin that journey or maybe to re-enter that path. You've wandered away, but you want to come back onto that path, that journey of following Jesus. You don't have to have it together to start or to restart. All you have to do is have a, a soft heart that says, yeah, you know what? I want to know God and I'm, I'm choosing today to follow Him. If that's you this morning, now's your opportunity. Now's your chance. I'm going to ask in three seconds for you to raise your hand. I'll see it. You can put it down and then we will pray together. Is there anybody here who wants to begin following Jesus? One, two, three. Just raise your hand and you put it down again. Is there anybody? Okay, I'm not seeing any hands. So 
I'm assuming that either you're, you've made that decision or already or that you, uh, you're still toying with that. If, if that. That's okay. Come and have a chat to me afterwards if, if that's where you're at. I'd love to talk you, to you about that. There's one more group of people I, I want to pray for, and that's this. If this morning something struck a chord with you from this message and you feel like, you know what? I am a little bit stuck. I am a little bit stuck. I don't feel like I'm advancing like I could be. I was, you know, I was when I was younger, I was passionate, I was going for it. I, but then, you know, life got in the way and, you know, family and kids and mortgage and, uh, you know, all that stuff, a job. And, and, and I feel like I just want to have that passion that Paul has when he says, I forget what is behind, I strain to what is ahead. If that's you this morning, I would love to pray for you for a fresh passion, a fresh desire to move forward, to advance with Him. And I'm going to do something bold. I want you to do something bold. I want you to stand to your feet in this place and say, yeah, you know what? I want to advance. I don't want to get stuck. I don't want to, I feel like maybe I have for a while. If that's you, just just stand up right now. I would love to pray with you. That's awesome. Come on, there's no shame in this. This is actually you having a soft heart. This is about you saying, you know what? I'm, I, I realize my need for Him. Like I said at the start, often we, we're further away from God when we realize that actually we, we think we've got it all together and we don't need Him. Come on, I know there's more of you. You need more of Him. Come on, let's, let's press into Him this morning. Father, You see our hearts. You know where we're at, whether we're standing or not. You know our hearts, God. And so, Lord, we say this morning, we don't want to ever get stuck. We don't ever want to plateau. Lord, we want the passion that Paul had when he said from a prison cell, no, I'm straining forward. I'm looking. I'm advancing towards the high call that that you have for me, Jesus. Lord, right now we lay down our lives. I include myself in this prayer. Father, give us your passion. Give us a desire to see your kingdom come, your will be done in Timaru as it is in heaven. But Lord, we pray, do what you've got to do in our hearts first. Lord, help us to realize where we're really at. Give us a clear account of where we are. And God, help us to forget what is behind. And Lord, help us to strain forward, look forward to what you have for us. Stir a hunger for you in our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, and all his saints said, Amen. You can stand to your feet, church. Awesome. Cool. Let's give David a big clap for an awesome word. Awesome. Man, I was really touched by that message, and I think it's a real challenge as Christians that we are always advancing. You know, it's a real, um, 
yeah, it's hard work sometimes, but it's good work, isn't it? It's good work because we'll get to the place where we need to be and we'll be honoring God with our lives. And just a reminder that there are opportunities to be in the room tonight for the women and for men coming up with Stronger. If you want to be in the room, you need to be at those events. So come out tonight, ladies, um, for an awesome dessert night. I'd love to see you there. If anyone wants prayer for anything, you can come down the front at the end. Otherwise, we'll see you out in the foyer for coffee after the service. Have a great day.